1: The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, May 13th, the mom, where's my stuffy edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Karen Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is eight and we live in Los Angeles, California.
2: I'm Dan Cois. I'm a writer at Slate. I'm the author of the book, How to Be a Family. I'm the dad of Lyra, who's 16, and Harper, who's 13, and we live in Arlington, Virginia.
0: And I'm Gabrielle Horton, guest hosting today with these lovely two. I'm based here in Los Angeles, where I am a podcast producer and the co-host and executive producer of Natal, a podcast docu-series about having a baby while Black. I don't have any kids of my own, but I've got a bunch of nieces and nephews, so I'm excited to sort of talk more about that with you all today.
1: We are excited to have you with us to talk, Gabrielle, (laughs) and... Wow, we can like go meet for coffee now because oh right, that's a thing now. That's a thing
0: now. (laughs) We should make that happen. That would be nice. Sorry, Dan. We should make that (laughs) happen.
1: Sorry, trying not to brag. Trying not to brag. But listeners of the show know that I have been an in the house person for the better part of the last year and a half. So. Allow me this coffee with this wonderful woman who we're so glad to have joining us today. Um, We've got quite a show for you. We're going to start off debating if a mom who is sick of searching for her kid's lost stuff can opt out of the search party or if she has to keep going. And then we've got some advice for a girl who's feeling left out. Her bestie and her mom both go to therapy and now she wants to go too. Is that reason enough to go to therapy or is there perhaps something else going on? On Slate Plus, for you lucky subscribers, we're going to be talking to Gabrielle about what it's like to put together a show like Natal and tell stories about birth when you aren't a parent yourself. That's what you get when you support the show. When you love us, love us, we love you a little bit extra and you get a little bit more show. But first, for Gen Pop, we'll start off with triumphs and fails. Dan, what do you have for us this week?
2: Gen Pop. Okay. (laughs) Proles, plebeians, here you go. Here's your triumph or fail. <laughs> um, I have a triumph this week. My triumph was, I guess, work related in that I was promoted this week on Harper's softball team by the head coach in my assistant coaching duties. For the first few weeks of games, my job was that I was the guy who hung out in the dugout, and like, <laughs> I'd be like, Harper, you're up. Bryn, you're on deck. Uh, Abby, you're in the hole. And then when the ending was over, I'd be like, okay, you're in first base, you're a shortstop. And I'd have to explain to them like, which one is left field and which one is right field. And so then Steve, the head coach would be the third base coach. And, um, Bryn's dad was the first base coach, but Bryn, uh, is a pitcher and her dad is extremely focused on her pitching. When she's pitching, he's either like constantly calling out advice to her or he's like walking away because he can't he can't watch anymore. Yeah. Uh, I cannot blame him. It seems really stressful to have a kid who's a pitcher because you're always like so worried about how they're feeling and every single play is like agonizing. Every single moment, you're like, oh God, is my kid going to feel good about this thing that just happened or bad? <laughs> so I think it's very difficult to be the parent of a yeah. pitcher. And Bryn's dad is like hyper focused on Bryn. So then when we're at bat, He's like, you know, debriefing Bryn about how the pitching went or giving her tips or talking to her about what she should try next inning. And he just really wants to be doing that, I think, not coaching first base. So before the game this weekend, Steve like pulled me aside and he's like, Hey, Dan, uh, can you coach first? Now, Steve, our head coach, is kind of like a miracle coach. We've been <laughs> really glad to have Harper with him for many years now because. He does know a lot about softball, and he does teach them stuff. But also, he is super chill and nice, and he's not a nightmare asshole like a lot of dad coaches are. Um, I really like him, and I want him to think I'm cool. So I went and I coached first, and I like talked to the players and gave them pep talks. Our players when they when they reached first base, and at one point, I looked over at Steve at third base, and he was doing like a bunch of signs. <laughs> I didn't know what they meant, but then I remember that we only have one sign and it means to steal so then I told the runner who's the first to steal and she stole and it totally worked. And then Steve was like, thumbs up. And unlike in previous games, none of our players got doubled off a of first on a pop out. So I feel like I crushed it. I crushed it. I think Harper was totally embarrassed by me and how excited I was. <laughs> so that's like a double triumph. Uh, but overall, I'm just very proud that um, somewhere out there, the head coach of my kid's softball team thinks probably thinks I'm cool.
0: I love this. This was I don't know softball at all, so this was also good, like a good little refresher, I guess, or a little mm. lesson. But it sounds like you're the cool dad, at least from this perspective. Don't know about obviously. Your <laughs>
2: obviously, the kids really, really connected to me. I
1: thought I've never wanted anyone to be a listener of this podcast more than I want the coach of your daughter's softball team to secretly be a mom and dad listener and to hear, I want him to think I'm cool.
2: If he does, he definitely will demote me next week. Be yeah, like, like this you may couldn't, not end you couldn't take favorite. the pressure. <laughs> You're talking out of school.
1: Oh, that's true, yeah. that's true. Or no, or, but I just thought that perhaps his heart would be warmed uh, by you, know, you seeking validation from the other uh, softball dads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i hope so that's how i imagine fatherhood to be uh gabrielle do you have, do you have for us a triumph or a fail this week
0: yeah i was thinking about um i think just last weekend so i was at my aunt's house we're kind of starting to gather more a little bit outdoors with the family and they've got two boys one's turning 14 soon one's 12 and they had their friends over um they were celebrating my aunt's birthday and she wanted to sort of watch a movie outside, and we didn't know what it was going to be. So, you know, we just show up, we're excited to just have some social time or whatever. So I guess it's a bit of a combination of a triumph and a fail. So we started by watching Coming to America, and everybody was super into it. The kids, who I didn't know, had, like, a lot of thoughts about the new sequel, right? And they were like, we can't watch that, it's just less than, you know? So it was like, whoa, you're supposed to enjoy, like, the new fun stuff. And so then I guess my aunts changed their mind and said, hey, let's actually go back to the 1970s and watch Car Wash. And I'm like, I don't know if this is going to go well. with like a 14, 12-year-old crew because they don't know what's happening. I barely know what's happening. Uh, And and I think I was right. And we all were right. And shortly after, maybe 20 minutes into the movie, we kind of just (laughs) all gave up because the kids were like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) But it was fun um, because I'm kind of in that in-between stage, you know, around family where I'm not like the kids, but also not like 50. So it's a weird space to kind of see, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is not going to go over well with the kids. Um, So I think we tried, had a little bit of a triumph to introduce them, but it, it failed in the end
1: <laughs> i've never seen car wash but you know what's interesting was worth One, it. <laughs> it, it was worth it yeah you got to watch it at least once Car-wash i watched it great, years man. ago i want to yeah. see car wash i'm curious about it but i'm also thinking you know uh, that kind of you know basically we're the distance from the 90s that uh we were from the 70s when we were kids yeah. right and so like you know stuff that was just kind of like whoa that's so different they were so weird look how they were dressed it's like yeah you know, right the dress the they had no
0: clue about they knew some of them knew who richard pryor was but it was just like a whole other language you know what i mean the songs um it showing just, kids it didn't car go wash well. now
2: is the equivalent of showing me a charlie chaplin
1: movie <laughs> oh probably god. so <laughs> it's not a charlie chaplin Fif- it's, like, right at- it's almost 50 f- years since car wash oh my fucking god what about you I'm thinking about the 70s being 50 years ago, but I'm like, that's when. Okay. um, What about me? So uh, I have a fail. I ordered a dress for Naima online. I can't remember where. I put the dress on her on Mother's Day, even though we're not like really doing too much outside. I want us to put on pretty dresses. So I have this cute kind of. Off the shoulder paisley number with some little cutouts on the side that I bought like at a ch- African street festival, you know, so kind of bohemian looking frock that I would wear. And this dress that Naima has, in my opinion, complements it well, right? Like we are, <laughs> for once, we're built. We're starting with me because usually when we're matching outfits, I oftentimes start with Naima oh, yeah. and then go to my closet <laughs> and see what do I have to go with whatever special, you know, piece she's wearing. But it's my day, and I'm like, I have this dress that makes me feel cute. It's really comfortable, you know it's perfect for the weather what do you have that matches that and so I go find it she puts it on and she's like I look like I'm going to church (laughs) and she is horrified so we don't go to church Um, she doesn't have a problem with religion but she does not identify I guess with the aesthetic that she identifies as church girl and so she says I look like one of those Shabak girls so for context there is Gabrielle maybe you can help me but there's some sort of utterance in the church around oh Shabak and you know like when, when <laughs> oh yeah I, I guess I have, I'm too removed from the kind of, church too I'm learning yeah <laughs> like I feel I apologize all my black Christian friends are listening to this like I hate you I hate you and I'm so sorry I'm not delivering this correctly but it's a shout it's a it's it's part of the shouting in church right Call and, and this, she caught this maybe on blackish probably like the grandma some black grandma out on TV said, oh, Shabbat or something. And Naima's been saying it ever since. I've been like, yo, chill, like, stop. <laughs> you know, you're going to get in trouble. And so she says, I look like one of the little Shabbat girls. So she's running around the house. Oh, Shabbat. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord. I'm like, Naima, it's fine. When we put on your little cool accessories, like, it's totally, you know. And she was like, I look like you're going to drop me off at the church school and leave me the church school. <laughs> And now I realize that she was trying to say Sunday school. but She was like, you're going to drop me off at the church school and leave me for six hours by myself. I'm going to be sitting under a desk hiding because I don't want to be there. And you're going to be <laughs> off on the beach living your best hot girl summer.
0: Wow. She really maybe knows you well. But see, as an auntie, this is my perspective. This is like a complete triumph because it's hilarious. But I'm sure as a mom, this is not how you were anticipating Sunday going.
1: (laughs) It wasn't how I expected it to go. The good thing is she had an upbeat attitude about it. Um, and Did she I mean, the jokes were so funny. Anyway, I wish I knew of a church school where you could drop kids off for six hours on a Sunday and trust that they would be safe because I would probably be utilizing those services. Um, But that is not a thing that I've ever done to Naima. Don't let her have you think that I just drop her off in places because I never do. I don't know of any places to drop her off.
2: Not that you wouldn't.
1: Not that I just don't know him yet. (laughs) I don't know him yet. You know, COVID (laughs) probably really ruined the game because that was a brilliant idea someone should have had a long time ago. Weekend school, weekend camp. (laughs) Um, But uh, I did, in my typically overindulgent way, on my day, take her to a kid's store to buy her a new dress, and the kid's store was closed. But she appreciated the gesture, and when she put on her cool, funky sunglasses and her, you know, little barrette. Oh, she has barrettes that say black girl. One says black girls and the other one says poppin'. But the thing is, we couldn't find poppin'. So it just said black girls and so I was like, damn, I get it because the dress is not poppin'. Kinda, <laughs> that was ouch. So anyway, yes, mommy tried, mommy failed, but it wasn't Naima's day, it was my day. Or my yes day, as I put uh-huh. it. That Mother's Day was supposed to be my yes day. All right, let's handle a little business. Hey, you, listener, why don't you go on ahead and subscribe to the show? It's free, and you never have to worry about hunting down the latest episode. Subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, which, of course, is Mom and Dad are Fighting. Subscribe. Also, if you want to listen to the podcast with no ads and a bonus segment with every episode, sign up for Slate Plus. Today, we'll be chatting with Gabrielle about what she's learned about parenting as someone who is not a parent working in the parenting space. Take a sneak peek.
0: We haven't kind of gone through the physical experience of like carrying a baby and and, and delivering that baby. But I think we're all sort of aware of what it could look like and what it should look
1: like. You only get that with Slate Plus. So to hear more great segments like that and to get ad-free versions of your favorite Slate podcasts, sign up for Slate Plus. And you'll be supporting the work we do here on Mom and Dad are Fighting. It's only a dollar for the first month. To sign up, go to slate.com backslash momanddadplus. Now, to keep up with everything in the Slate parenting universe, sign up for our parenting newsletter. It's a fun, funny story from Dan each week in your inbox, and it gathers all of Slate's great parenting content into one tidy place. Sign up at slate.com backslash parenting email. That's chumbacasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Okay, let's get into our first listener question. It's being read as always by the lovely Shasha Leonard.
3: Dear mom and dad, as a parent, am I allowed to opt out of looking for things my kids lose? I hate looking for things. There is a spot for all my important things like phone, keys, and headphones and chargers and sunglasses. I have developed a routine that results in each of these things ending up in their designated spot reliably. This is a life skill learned the hard way after losing way too many of these things. When something important is lost, it is always because I've been overworked, overstretched, overstressed. I turn into a no good, very bad, horrible version of myself because... I think the experience triggers all my memories of shame, embarrassment, and disaster caused by my undiagnosed ADHD lost item experiences. I get snappy quickly, frustrated, manic, and mean. I hate this version of myself, which is why I have worked hard to prevent this version of myself from coming out. I've minimalized, I've conmaried, and I've built routines. But now I'm a parent and a spouse and honestly one of the things that has been the hardest adjustment is having a partner who doesn't have places for things or respect mine but we're working on that but the kid the 6 year old kid with 732 plastic little pieces of crap that are really really important and are never where they need to be do I have to look for them I hate looking for them. I hate who I become when I look for them. I'd say Cruella DeVille, but it's probably much more like Mean Judge Judy. But I am also the only person who ever seems able to find them. Can I just stop? Can I just be the mom who doesn't look for the very important Lego or sparkly rock? Someone please give me permission. Please
1: Dan, I have a feeling that you're going to be the person to offer this permission.
2: No, no, I will not give her permission. I will not. I'm sorry. This is a very familiar struggle to me. This is I'm basically this person. This is the story of my childhood and adolescence and young adulthood is constantly losing shit and walking out of the house you know, without anything that I needed or not knowing where my keys were or, you know, losing my ID card for work or whatever. And I, like this person, generated a very specific like set of hacks to basically make sure that the things I need are always where I need them to be in places where I'll be able to see them so I will be able to get them. And when they're not in those places, it drives me crazy and I get Nervous and frustrated and upset with myself when I lose things and can't find things. So I, I know where this person is coming from, but no, you can't be the mom who doesn't look. I don't think part of being a parent is helping your child through the developmental steps that they're having trouble with. Part of being a member of a family is helping each other through the things that are hard for them and your kid Just like you probably, when you were your kid's age, they have trouble keeping track of their things. And so you can help them organize. You can help them find their own versions of the coping strategies that you've worked out for yourself. But when the time comes inevitably that they lost their lunchbox and they have to go to school in five minutes – I'm afraid that you have to grit your teeth and, like, don the cloak of parental patience and help them find the fucking lunchbox without losing your shit. I just think you have to. What do you guys think?
0: I definitely think so, especially at six years old. You know, like, if it was 16, maybe that's a little bit different of a conversation. But six years old... Yeah, again, not a a parent, but I just think if I kind of think about my upbringing or how I am with my nieces and nephews, um, you got to give the little kids some grace. You know, they're going to forget. They're going to mess up. They just need some more assistance. But I totally agree, Dan, like figuring out ways that the little one can learn how to organize or keep track of their things better. Maybe there's some like soft sort of like consequences, you know, like, oh, if you can't find this and we're not going to be able to do this, you know, something light, maybe not like a severe punishment. But if we're talking about a 16 year old, I think. My, you know, my suggestions would be completely different. But yeah, you know,
1: got to help the little one find their stuff.
2: Jamila, what do you think?
1: (laughs) I 100% agree. You know, Dan said, you're talking, this person is him. This person is also me, which is why I'm ordering a new copy of my driver's license, because this conversation just reminded me. (laughs) Like, literally, it was like, stop right now. Handle it. (laughs) So handle it. But yeah, this is part of the work of being a parent. This is part of the work of being a part of a family, as Dan said. I recognize that you're triggered as you do, but at the same time, because this has been such a struggle for you, that is exactly why you should want to guide your child in a way so that they don't struggle in the same way. And whether that's a matter of finding peace in chaos, which some people genuinely do, or if that's you know finding organizational systems that work um, better for them than perhaps the ones you were guided into using at that age. For your child to have a healthier relationship to their things and and to uh, misplacing them than you did should be an aspiration. So it, it's one way of guaranteeing that it won't be a better relationship is by neglecting to support them through it.
2: How do you think this letter writer should handle what she sees herself turning into when these situations show up? Like, what should she be doing about how she turns into Mean Judge Judy?
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. I was like, this is like a lot more than just like the kid not finding the Legos, you know, it's like the parent Mm -hmm. kind of shifting into a version of themselves they don't even like. So I agree. Maybe it's kind of of a time to sort of check in, like, why am I responding this way? How can I kind of manage that in the moment? Because, again, it's a six year old. But I think it's uh, some more work. Maybe this this mom or parent kind of wants to think about what they can do on their own. Because, yeah,
1: it's, it's a little serious, you know? do you turn to mean judge judy at other times like are other things that trigger it and like how far do you i mean to me judge judy is mean so is this a meaner judge judy that's the impression this, i
2: got like, it's like judge judy mean, turned up to eleven.
1: yeah, yeah. so like we I don't know, want that this in is, my house yeah 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 and if like is this a version of yourself that you don't like because it's unpleasant or is it a version of yourself that you don't like because it's out of control You know, or or that it feels like you're, you know, that that you're not able to control yourself or your anger uh, or your feelings, I should say, in that moment. I agree, Uh, Gabrielle. I think this is a good time to check in. Otherwise, time to think about what your coping mechanisms are for anger because if this triggers it, what mm. happens when something actually really egregious happens? Like, so, you know, beyond just losing things or if the item lost is a laptop. Right. Or That's going to happen someday. You know what, what I mean? That, that happens mm-hmm. with even responsible kids. Uh, I, I think you should consider getting some support with figuring out ways to to not go there in the first place and and to talk yourself down when you get there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's
2: not too late for this undiagnosed ADHD to become Diagnosed ADHD. That's very true, and part of that can involve getting help that might incidentally assist you in responding more reasonably when something gets lost, either by your child or by you, to help you avoid mean Judge Judy. Which it sounds like you really you would love that. I think that would make you letter writer a lot happier if you didn't turn into this person at the slightest hint of this triggering event from your life. It's really hard as a parent to grit your teeth and not betray how annoyed you are to do the things that you have to do (laughs) sometimes. You're not alone in struggling to do this, letter writer. I do think that you recognize already that, that, that how difficult it is for you is not reasonable, and you're looking for a way to solve that. I just don't think the way to solve it is just to not be the person who helps. The way to solve it is to address it and try to Stop becoming that person when these things that always happened in every family happen.
0: I'm also going to say just taking a wusa, you know, just like a deep breath, you know. And I, at least for me, when I think about how my anxiety flares up or how small things trigger it, sometimes I just have to take a really deep breath or a few and just kind of think, okay, perspective. Is this super important or am I just really deep in my annoyance bag, you know? And usually it's the latter. So which means I kind of have to take a pause, take a step away, take a walk outside and realize it's not that deep, you know, or it's not that serious, you know. And so it's also just like just some deep breaths could help. But I think some additional sort of um, digging into this could could definitely be beneficial in the long run.
1: Yeah. And just one last thought on that. Maybe, you know, if if you find yourself getting to that place the next time something is lost, uh, check in and see, is there something else going on? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, are you having this reaction every time something is misplaced, Or are you having this reaction after a really bad day at work, you know, or having an argument with your partner? And then it comes out, Kids are going to lose things frequently, so you will frequently have an opportunity to express some stuff that you're just holding on to via your kid losing some stuff. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, It it may not be the trigger. It may be the straw. So I hope that we were helpful. Please send us an update. Uh, We love updates. And if there's anyone else listening who'd like for us to consider their parenting challenges, please send us an email at slate.com or you can do as this listener did, and you can post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even
0: motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance
1: Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's move on to our second listener question, read once again by the lovely Shasha Leonard.
3: Dear Mom and Dad, I go to therapy to treat mild anxiety. It's really great, and I'm open about it with my family, including my 10-year-old daughter. Her best friend also sees a therapist now, after her folks split up. My daughter said, I wish I could go to therapy a few times. She doesn't seem to have any particular goal or purpose in mind. I think it honestly just seems fun to her, or maybe she feels a bit left out. Any tips for navigating this topic with a kid? Therapy would take time away from school and frankly be kind of spendy. We could swing it if necessary, but... You know, I can find a lot of different ways to spend $160 a month. I don't really see a need, but I also don't want to reinforce the idea that you have to wait until things get super bad before seeking support. I suggested that we start with her school psychologist if she feels she needs it, and she balked. What should I do?
0: Gabrielle, what do you think? Well, it's so funny because I feel like I can relate to kind of maybe both of these kids. So when my parents split, I went to therapy as well um, for anxiety and whatnot. I was like maybe three or four. Don't remember it, but just in conversation with my mom recently, it's come up. But it didn't last for too long. You know, it could be a mix of reasons. Maybe it was like finances. Maybe my mom was like, oh, she's good after this one or two visits. Mm -hmm. Thinking about this parent, I, I would probably find ways to kind of ask like, what would you like to talk about? Maybe not with me or maybe just kind of give me some ideas some clues, because maybe what the parent thinks is not that serious could be really troubling the little one. So I wonder if there's ways, if if she's not ready or interested in seeing the school psychologist, I wonder if she doesn't think it's like as valid, you know, or as real. I wonder if there's ways to kind of like get some of these ideas out, whether it's like writing it down or maybe she can tell it to uh, another parent, another relative, and then the mom can kind of, or the parent can then assess to see, is this really worth it? But $106 a month is a lot of, a lot of money if, if you're really sort of weighing what other things can be sort of prioritized in the household. So it's not something I think I would just be like, send the kid to therapy right away, see how it goes for a few months, because that's that's real money right there. But I think it's worth digging around, kind of continuing to ask questions or maybe even trying to figure out what is it about your friend's experience that you're really interested in to kind of see, is it that they really want this like one-on-one time or is it something else that's really intriguing her daughter? So... I would say keep asking away, but be cautious about kind of like, you know, spending $160 if if that's really a, a serious consideration. I don't know, what do you all think though?
2: I for a long time I had a real knee-jerk bias against kids getting into therapy at all, which I recognize is not reasonable. I finally took a deep breath and like got over it and saw that it really benefited Lyra, my own actual kid. But I still don't think it's a step that you take lightly, I agree with the letter writer that you don't want to reinforce the notion that things have to get super bad before you get help. I also do think you need evidence that things are at least a little bad before you step into this. So I don't know that this is a road you need or want to start down with this seemingly totally unbothered 10-year-old. And Jamil, I'm interested whether you disagree with that, but assuming that what you decide Is that you don't want to start doing this. And I think Gabrielle is right that it's worth probing and talking and asking a few more questions before you make that decision. You sort of then have two issues. The first is, well, how do you steer her off of it so that she's not just constantly being like, well, can I get therapy now? Can I get therapy now? And then also, how do you make sure that she does feel heard and feel like she has an outlet for the feelings that she wants to express, whatever they are? And on that first question, just sort of how do you redirect this, I think, I mean, one easy thing to start with is, you know, talk to her about the way that doctors work generally. And I don't know if this metaphor works exactly, but you can at least start by saying, you know, you don't go to the, um, to a specialist, the hospital or a, a special doctor, unless you really need to, unless your doctor tells you that it's something that you're, that it's something you need to do. Um, And your pediatrician can maybe be a resource for this, you know, before your next appointment, you can talk to her about this need that your daughter has expressed and your pediatrician might be there to back you up and basically say, you know, as your doctor uh, I don't think this is the right thing for you right now. And maybe you, it might be something that you want or need later in life, but I don't think that you need it right now. Um, And, And leaning on that authority can often be a useful way to sort of redirect these questions that feel a little bit above our pay grade as parents sometimes. But I do think you could, in in your house, institute some kind of formalized once a month or once every two weeks listening time where you snuggle in bed or you snuggle on a couch and she knows that she has the floor and she can just talk about whatever she wants, um, and you—you know—you don't have your phone. You're not reading a book. You're not watching TV. You're not allowed to debate. You're not even allowed to give advice. Your job is just to listen. And your kid may or may not like that. She may view that with the same scorn that she viewed the school psychologist, or she might leap at that opportunity, um, as I think many kids would, and it might help her feel like she has a place and a time that is all hers the way therapy appears to be all yours or appears to be all her friends. That's their time. And this can be her time. Um, But, you know, Jamila, you might totally disagree with me and think that, (laughs) that this is something that this child should do right now. What do you think?
1: I do totally disagree. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, I wish that, Everybody could get therapy. I wish that was just like part of healthcare and something that we all just had access to and just did. Um, I think about it like an exterminator, right? Like you can have one come out and do, pre- you know, if you're living somewhere that's like prone to like bugs or infested or uh, rodents, like you can have someone come out once a month or-, or every two months or however preventatively, or you can have someone come out once you've seen something. You know, and like, this is one of those things where I'd rather invest in it before I see something. Um, I'd also consider that the two most important female figures in her life are in therapy right now Mm. because of reasons, right? Like her best friend is going through, her parents are splitting. So I don't know if you and, you know, I don't know if you're a married parent or if you were ever a married parent. But if, you know, if you are partnered um, and particularly if you're partnered with your daughter's other parent, might she wonder, you know, could this happen to me, Mm. right? Like there may be some anxiety and worry just, you know, um, as a result of being in such close proximity to a divorced family, considering one that she would have, you know, um, maybe known for a long time. Uh, You have anxiety. Anxiety can be hereditary. Uh, It's not always hereditary, um, but it it can be. I, I think there's any number of reasons why... Therapy would not be a bad idea for your daughter if you were able to uh, make that happen. And I understand. I mean, I'm not surprised that she wasn't interested in the school (laughs) psychologist. I think I went the same route with my parents when the therapy conversation first came up when I was a kid. And I was just like, oh, you know, when you're 10 years old, perhaps you're thinking about being, you know, excused from class to go to the little green room right? And everyone knows that you're going down there to talk about your problems. That might not be something that she's interested in doing. And also in the same way that it's like, oh, we're going to order some pizza. Would you like lunchroom pizza? You know, school doesn't have the best branding, right? (laughs) Like you think of the school psychologist, as opposed to what you and her uh, bestie are experiencing. It it feels like she's getting something less than. So she's
2: getting the Kirkland brand instead of the (laughs) name.
1: Exactly. She's, you know, she's getting the generic. So you know, find someone who's reasonable, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, if you have insurance, perhaps go that route as opposed to, you know, and I know a lot of child therapists don't take it. Um, I know that from personal experience, you know, I, I wouldn't make a tremendous investment in this at this point, but I think it's worth making, you know, it could be you go once a month or every other month as opposed to, you know what I mean? Like find something that works for you all where she's getting the opportunity to perhaps share something that she doesn't feel comfortable sharing with you, um, or or her best friend, well, more importantly, with you. (laughs) And if it's not that, you know, you have somebody who's letting you know that things seem to be okay. But I also would say, um, I'll wrap this up, somebody who has anxiety and who, you know, is raising a child who has anxiety, I knew to look for it in her, seeing it, witnessing it in a child. And and now knowing that it's something that I've lived with my entire life that I didn't have any sort of concept of until I was into my thirties, um, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with taking some preventative measures here. And you'd be better safe than sorry. So
2: your in your model, I think the exterminator model is interesting, but, but <laughs> sort of the healthcare version of it is. In your ideal world, a therapist isn't the specialist you go to when you have a problem. A therapist is essentially like the pediatrician or a primary care doctor. You just see them regularly because that's the thing that you should do to stay healthy.
1: Yes. And for her to, I think your daughter should understand that you know, and perhaps she does already that therapy, you know, I don't think we should think of it as something that we only do when there's an alarm, right? Like typically there's a reason. It's not, you know, usually the case that's like, hey, I should just get into therapy because I'm not, you know, um, so I should just be in it, right? Like usually it's like this thing has happened or I'm thinking about this thing that's happened in the past or I know I have to deal with this thing that's happened in the past. Something has brought me to this place. If the way we regarded it was just therapy is just the thing that you do and like, they, you know, they help you process your feelings and, you know, survive the world that you, you know, that you live in. Uh, it, it's a place where you go, you know, yeah. to feel your best self as opposed to, well, something was wrong with me. And that's why I went.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, I think of it still like that now, too, as someone who is in therapy, even when, right, like I may have periods where it's like, oh, I really need to sort of talk to my therapist, Denise. Shout out to you. Hopefully you listen to this, Um, right? But then there's periods where I'm feeling really great, but I know you kind of want to kind of keep this regular schedule, right? So you can kind of stay on top yeah. of it. But also, I think to your point, it's a good place for a sounding board. I mean, I don't think I thought of this at 10 or even like 15, right? But I think just like kind of if I could look back, I think it is kind of like a nice sort of check-in that I think I wish was kind of still there and not like this long gap from like my parents split at three years old mm-hmm. to, you know, like right before graduation, you know, uh, senior year in college. So I think there could have been some stuff kind of checkpoints in between that could have sort of mm-hmm. been coupled with my pediatrician visits or my OBGYN visits when i got a little bit older but just kind of making it a bit normal i think just thinking of it as like a space where you can kind of share um, with like a neutral party which i think sometimes just necessary and helpful to kind of processing what the hell is going on in life you know because it's none of it makes sense most of the time um but yeah i guess to your point dan i would wonder if maybe the pediatrician could kind of serve as sort of like a quote-unquote Psychologists, You know, maybe the parent steps out the room for a little bit. I don't know if that's possible. But just kind of see what resources that are already available and kind of see how you can kind of use those to kind of sense what's really going on, what's really needed um, before kind of
1: going full in. This I wouldn't so... have told my pediatrician shit. <laughs> I, I love my, my pediatrician.
0: Ten? Dr. Cooper was the best. <laughs>
1: I remember them all being pleasant people. I didn't have any problems with them. I liked them, but I would not have confided in my pediatrician yeah. because I re- I saw that as an extension of my parents. Much as you can see the school psychologist totally. is a, You know what I mean? Like that 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 you don't imagine that this is somebody who's going to be able to really walk you through some stuff. This is somebody that might be giving a report to your teacher yeah. or your principal, you know, or your parents.
2: This is so interesting. <laughs> Jamila, you know, I I admire the way you view therapy, and I know a lot of people who view it the same way, that who essentially feel like, in an ideal world, everyone would be in therapy. Mm-hmm. Our occasional uh, guest host, Isaac Butler, feels exactly the same way, and has said this to me many times. Everyone should be in therapy. It's the best thing I do. But I'm not there yet. I still really struggle with the idea of performing some kind of healthcare intervention on a kid who, who it seems to me very clearly just is interested in doing something because people she knows are doing it
1: they also just survived a global pandemic (laughs) yeah could be a good reason to do a little i mean everybody i think everybody gets a (laughs) asterisk by their name right now like if there was ever a time to be a little gratuitous with the therapy i think after the past two years uh It's been rough, but Dan, I think it's interesting. I think your honesty around it is like
0: refreshing, you know, and like just like I'm not there yet, but you're still open to kind of hearing different sort of points of view. Because I feel like sometimes people can kind of just shut down at the conversation. But uh, you know, I think it's worth exploring and letting it marinate a little bit and see how it kind of evolves over time too.
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've moved on it. You know, I've moved on the issue a lot already, and and I it seems totally plausible that five (laughs) years from now I'll feel totally differently on this issue. And I'm curious where this letter writer will land, you know, as she is someone who is, she says has really benefited from therapy and loves it. So she may well be closer to your point of view, Jamila, and you may very well have persuaded her just like that, that, okay, it's worth trying and seeing what comes of it and giving her daughter a chance to do this thing. I'd be very curious. And I hope that she writes back and gives us an update.
1: Absolutely. Good luck to you with sorting this out. One more reminder, if you have a parenting conundrum of your own that you would like for us to debate, uh, we actually had a debate for once. (laughs) We're we're so often on the same page. We're so 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 often all right. We're so often all right. Yeah. And uh, today, Dan was not right. So, um, Great to have that happen us, for the
2: first time in my life.
1: <laughs> please give us more opportunities uh, to prove Dan wrong. Send us an email to momanddadatslates.com or, again, post to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Before we get out of here, let's do some recommendations. Gabrielle, what do you have for us?
0: Okay, it's going to be maybe not at all what you're expecting, but I really enjoyed this season of The Circle. It was just kind of high quality, like didn't really take a lot of brain power, but good kind of cleanish like adult fun, you know, for a TV series. Um, And so I enjoyed that, you know, whether it was late at night or on the weekends, just kind of decompressing from work. Um, But it was fun. And like, just didn't have to think a whole lot. You could just laugh and sit back. And I feel like it was like exactly what we needed kind of, you know, after this sort of one year mark. So um, my vote is for The Circle on Netflix. Awesome. Dan, what do you have for us?
2: I'm also recommending a TV show. Uh, We just finished Schitt's Creek uh, the other day with
1: our kids. On my list. (laughs) Um,
2: And uh, so we were looking for a new show, and we started watching Girls 5 Eva.
1: Hold on. Wait. I'm very excited about Girls 5 Eva, but before we get into that, Dan, you you finished Schitt's Creek.
2: Right. So I've now watched Schitt's Creek two times all the way through.
1: And and you liked it this time? Like, are you in?
2: I still like it. I like it just <laughs> fine. But I, I would not describe myself as passionately involved with these characters. But oh, watching sorry. it with my kids definitely made me like it even more. It is a terrific show that I like 90% as much as everyone else.
0: I only hear great okay. things about it. I'm going to have to actually sort of like dive in finally. Thanks for it's recommending. So
1: good. <laughs> we got a whole
2: thing on slate about how you can skip season one.
0: Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> which is correct.
2: Okay, but so we finished its Creek. The kids to- were totally in love with it, lived and died with that show. We needed a new show, so we started Girls 5 Eva, which is on Peacock, which is like the the 75th streaming service that we oh, now right, right, have right. to subscribe to. Uh, it's an offshoot of NBC, I guess. But it Girls 5 Eva is about a, a Spice Girls era girl group oh. that 20 years later decides to reunite uh, while all the ladies in the group are in their 40s, it's got Sarah Bereas and Busy Phillips and Renee Elise Goldsberry, who you this might get your kids excited about the show. You can be like, it's got Angelica from Hamilton in it. <laughs> and it's uh, produced by Tina Fey. And it sort of has a little bit of that like fizzy. Thirty rock energy. It's like a joke every second, and uh the characters are a little more absurd than real life. But it is very funny and sweet, and the music is hilarious. We liked it a lot.
1: I love that. I'm gonna add that to my list as well. I know my daughter will be very excited about it because she is a Tina Fey stan. Hilarious. So. Oh,
2: that's right. <laughs> your daughter's Tina Fey stan. Is. She doesn't. She hasn't yet appeared in the show though. She, probably she will eventually, but uh, she will definitely recognize like the rhythm of it as being a Tina Fey rhythm.
1: Oh, we're going to be starting that uh, very soon. Uh, that's the say you're the second person to mention it in like three days, so that's a sign. <laughs> so I am recommending the I guess it's pronounced nudie system bra. It was served to me on an instagram ad and you know <laughs> the they know me are. so well where the best things are so it's n-u-u-d-i-i system.com the nudie system they say it's not a bra it's i guess the nudie system um so it's this kind of trippy <laughs> shaped like so it's listen, not tv so it's, it's
2: hbo but for bra
1: yes so, it's this very flexible, uh, sh- super stretchy bralette style bra. So, this is not your heavy coverage bra, but this is so great for sundresses and uh, uh, rompers and just the stuff that we're wearing this time of year where you might not mind having a show, a visible strap, but you don't necessarily want to have a whole bra situation showing. And you can like, just go look at the website and the Instagram, you guys. Like <laughs> so there's like four straps, and like you can have them all going to one side to do a one shoulder situation. Like it's just a very cool bra that lets you hide it in your summer clothes, and that is something that I struggle with uh, because I can't go braless. So um, while it's not going to hold you up on high, you can wear. Any flirty, fun, sun dress situation uh, with this bra and hopefully be able to conceal it unless it's strapless, in which case you would need a strapless bra. But the nudie system.
2: I just looked it up uh, on Google wait. and their slogan is <laughs> radical innovation for boobs.
1: Yes. <laughs> but we because all boobs need. are boobs. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. I'm having boobs this incredible
2: flashback good. to the time that on mom and dad are fighting when I read the bra ad.
3: <laughs> and Allison
2: and I were recording in a studio and Allison had to leave the room because she was laughing too hard. And it, we were catching it on audio and couldn't get couldn't get the take.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Because didn't they make you do like a, as a dad bra shopping read? Wasn't that like that? I believe that's correct. Thing, yes. Right. Oh, my God. that's.
2: And then that company blew up, I assume.
1: I'm sure that's exactly so much so what, they never uh, needed to
2: advertise with us again
1: never wanted another ad again well broad companies if you are listening I am I love bras. <laughs> keep putting them on my Instagram and I will buy them we, and I will tell we them them. We'll do the ad
2: reads not me <laughs>
1: <laughs> well that's it for our show uh one last time if you have a question that you'd like to hear debated on mom and dad are fighting please email us at dad at com or post it to the slate Facebook parenting group Mom and Dad are fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. For Gabrielle Horton and Dan Coist, I'm Jamila Lemieux.